0: You can open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. And I preached on this passage last year. I did a whole series on the Lord's Prayer. I did one sermon per petition year or per prayer request. But today I want to cover the whole under the theme of how to pray for the coronavirus. Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13. And in this evening I'm going to to be preaching on uh, work-related problems again. And tonight I'll cover the topic of trials and temptation at work. (coughs) Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we call upon your name this morning asking that the holy spirit would please assist us would please bring the message to our hearts plain and clear grant us understanding open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law and we pray lord jesus that you would send your holy spirit the spirit who dwells in us the spirit who lives in us to grant us insight and wisdom especially in trying times in times of suffering, times of sickness worldwide, and that you would grant us grace to deal with this situation in a biblical manner as Christians. And then we also pray for your mighty hand to please bring healing to many people who are suffering. And yes, Lord, we acknowledge we are sinners. We don't deserve anything from your hand. We don't deserve anything good. But please have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us for the sake of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So by this time, the whole world knows of the coronavirus. Uh, On Thursday, when I was finishing up the sermon, the statistics were 8,900 deaths worldwide. And it'll probably be, if I go and check the stats, I checked it last night, and it was almost 12,000, 11,800. And well, today it's probably gone well over 12,000. And many of those who die, and probably all, I'm not sure, but certainly the vast amount, die alone without the comfort of family because their families aren't allowed near them. And most of those who die, die without Jesus. And that's a tragedy. So how should Christians respond in a time like this? Well, there's really only one way for us. There's really only one comfort for us, and that is God Himself, which means that we should come to Him for comfort. And the way we do that is through prayer. And that's why we have the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9, or at least the passage I'm preaching on this morning. Matthew 6, verse 9, Pray then like this, Jesus says to His disciples, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then in the King James you'll find... For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, first of all, how to pray for the coronavirus. Number one, fear God and trust God. And that's in verse 9. Charles Spurgeon was an English Baptist preacher in the 1800s. And one day he had a very severe attack, uh, a gout, uh, an attack of gout. And this is what he wrote. He said, When I was racked some months ago with pain to an extreme degree, so that I could no longer bear it without crying out, I asked all to go from the room and leave me alone. And then I had nothing I could say to God but this Thou art my father, I am thy child. And thou, as a father, art tender and full of mercy. I couldn't bear to see my child suffer as you make me suffer. And if I saw him tormented as I am now, I would do what I could to help him and put my arms under him to sustain him. Will you hide your face from me, my father? Will you still lay on a heavy hand and not give me a smile from your face? So I pleaded and I ventured to say when I was quiet and they came back who watched me, I shall never Have such pain again from this moment, for God has heard my prayer. I bless God that ease came and the racking pain never returned. End quote. And that is how we should pray for ourselves and for others during the coronavirus. Our Father, He is our Father. For those who trust in the Lord Jesus, our Father, meaning our, implying we pray for others also. Our Father who are in heaven. Our Father in heaven, verse 9. Didn't Jesus say in chapter 7, verse 11 of Matthew, the following? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And Jesus specifically says our father in heaven in heaven meaning. He is the sovereign ruler. He's in control of all things He's the king Psalm 103 verse 19 we read the words of, of David of King David and he writes the following the Lord has established his throne in the heavens his kingdom rules over all Our God is in the heavens he does whatever he pleases God is in the heaven. God controls all things. He does according to His will in heaven, on earth, in the sea, and all their deeps. Psalm 135, verse 6. Psalm 115, verse 3. Daniel 4, verse 35. He does according to His sovereign pleasure. God does what He wishes with the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, saying, My counsel shall stand all that I desire or all that I will I do. None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Jesus said, to me has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1, 11. Ephesians 1, 22. He is head over all things. All things are under his feet. Implying he is even in control of disaster. Psalm 45, verse 7. I create good and I create evil. Disaster. Ecclesia, or not Ecclesiastes, Lamentations 3, verse 37 and 38. Who has spoken there and it happens? Is it not I, the Lord? And then verse 38 says that God not only controls good, but he controls disaster. Let me get the exact verse. I don't want to mis- misquote. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 37 and 38. This is what we read. He was spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Bad meaning not sin but disaster. Amos 3, verse 6. Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? So God is in control of the coronavirus. God can send the virus. Exodus 4 verse 11. We read that it is the Lord who makes blind and seeing, deaf and hearing, and so on. You read the 10 plagues where the boils came on the Egyptians. Exodus 9, God sent it. God is the one who sends plagues and disease and illness Deuteronomy 28 verse 27 verse 35. Deuteronomy 32 verse 39. I wound and I heal, says the Lord. 1 Samuel 2 verse 6. God kills and makes alive. God sent a plague on the Philistines. In 1 Samuel 5, he sent boils or tumors. 2 Samuel 12 verse 15. God afflicted the child of David 2 Samuel 24 verse 15, God sent a plague and killed 70,000 Israelites. 2 Kings 15 verse 5, we read of God sending leprosy. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30, God caused the Corinthian Christians to get ill and die because they abused the Lord's Supper. God judged them. So God can send the coronavirus God can prevent the coronavirus, Psalm 91 verse 6, where it says God can prevent pestilence from coming and God can heal the coronavirus. Just think of Jesus healing many sick people in the four Gospels. So to summarize it, John Piper says, Jesus Christ is supreme over all plants and animals from the peaceful blue whale to microscopic killer viruses. He is supreme over all chemical processes that heal and destroy. Cancer, AIDS, malaria, flu, and all the workings of antibiotics and a thousand healing medicines. As Abraham Kuyper used to say, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine! End quote. Bow the knee before the living God. Fear God. Trust God. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Trust him for the forgiveness of your sins and for salvation. And if you trust him, you have no reason to fear the coronavirus. You have no reason to fear death. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God controls death. Job 14 verse 5, we read that Job says, God has determined man's days. Let me read it, Job 14 verse 5, Since man's days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. So God has set the exact date of your death. Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, the keys of death and Hades or death and the world of the dead, it's in the hands of Jesus Christ. So you, th- what I'm trying to say is you can protect yourself against the coronavirus all you like. If God has determined today is your day to die, you can be locked up in your house, away from the coronavirus, you will die of a heart attack. You will die by being shot. You will die by being in a motor accident or something else or getting severe cancer, or whatever, if God determines today is the day, it doesn't matter how you protect yourself against the, the coronavirus. But if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, even if you do die, you will be with Christ. Didn't Jesus say to the man next to him on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise? Didn't the Apostle Paul say, absent from the body, present with the Lord? Didn't the Apostle Paul say, to live is Christ and to die is gain? I would rather be out of this body and present with Christ. It's far better. So we do not need to be afraid of death. We do not need to be anxious like the world and they're panicking and they're running around. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? (coughs) Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14 and 15. We read that through death, Jesus destroyed the one who had power over death, that is the devil, to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We, we had the slavish fear of death. Jesus delivered us. No need to fear death if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. Fear God. Fear God. Pray that this world would be would hallow his name, would respect his name, would revere his name, would reverence his name. As verse 9 says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. They must respect God's name and fear God's name instead of cursing God's name for the coronavirus. Like they do in the book of Revelation chapter 9 verse 20 and 21, chapter 16 verse 11 and 21, where God sends these plagues and sores and and disease and they curse God. They curse God. They do not repent of their sins. No, we should not curse God. Verse 9, hallowed be your name. Number two, focus on the kingdom. That is in verse 10a, your kingdom come. So let's say here's a man. He's really chasing money. That's what he's all about. He's getting rich and he's a materialist, loving this world, loving money, loving possessions. That's his idol he worships. But he works so hard to get more and more money, he forgets of his, his marriage. He forgets his family. And that's exactly what the coronavirus can do. The coronavirus can move all our attention away from where it should be. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, everyone's stressing about the coronavirus. They're panicking about the virus. And no one cares, or very few people care, that millions in this world, are lost. Few people care that many of the people who die are lost forever. They're going to hell because they're living in sin and they're dying in sin and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So let us pray what verse 10 teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come. Let us pray that the kingdom would spread through the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel. Let us see the coronavirus as an opportunity to share the gospel with people. I had the opportunity yesterday and the day before to do that sharing the gospel because of this disease, because of this virus, and even show people through our our lives that we're not overburdened, uh, we're not anxious, and we're not panicking, and let them see, why aren't these Christians panicking? Why aren't they anxious? And they'll start asking questions. Why are you different? What is your hope? And we can share and tell them about the hope that is in us, and do it with gentleness and respect. And then also pray for the second coming, so on, on the one hand, we shouldn't be prophets of doom trying to set dates for the second coming. You know, when it was World War II, people probably said it's the end of the world now. World War I, it's the end of the world. The bubonic plague, the, the black death, the black plague and from the 1300s onwards. People probably said this is the end of the world. And people tried to set dates. And Jesus strictly forbade that. Saying that no one knows the hour. No one. It's set by the Father. But on the other hand, we must not forget. So on the one hand, don't be a prophet of doom trying to set dates. But on the other hand, we must not forget to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Always, always be ready. Every day, be ready for the coming of of jesus christ and look forward because jesus himself said no one knows the day or the hour and look forward to a new world and new heavens and a new earth where there is no coronavirus no sickness of any kind no disease no virus no sin no death <coughs> revelation 21 verse 4 number three pray for god's will to be done verse 10b Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's a a famous quote of Martin Luther. It's doing the round on WhatsApp. You've probably seen it. Um, It's taken from a letter that he wrote in 1527 to his friend Johann Hess. Uh, What happened? The Black Plague had returned to Wittenberg in Germany. And the Christians fled. And then the world started mocking and laughing and saying, look at these Christians flee. They don't care for their neighbor. And then Johann Hess, the pastor, was concerned and wrote to Luther and said, what should a Christian do in a time like this? And then Luther responded by writing the letter uh, entitled, Whether One May Flee From a Deadly Plague. And this is just one part of the letter. It's eight pages, double column. But this is what he said in one part of the letter. Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take medicine. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated. And that does perhaps infect and pollute other people and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me or take my life, he will surely find me. And I have done what is expected of me. And so I'm not responsible either for my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith. This Christianity, mean meaning this Christianity. It's such a God-fearing faith because it's neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. End quote. I think that's a very good summary of God's will for us during this coronavirus, when when we should pray, your will be done. Uh, I, actually, we can, we can say it better than Luther. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. And then Jesus, of course, said in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, love your neighbor as yourself. So don't come to church. Don't go to the shop. Don't go to work if you're ill. It's better for you then to stay home, like in Numbers chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, when someone had a leprous disease, he was put outside of the camp, not as a cruelty, but as an act of love, because you should love your neighbors yourself and not contaminate others and spread the disease. And, and also then personal hygiene, so that you don't become sick and then, then you spread the disease. So wash your hands and, and when you cough, cough into a handkerchief or when you sneeze, turn away from people. Because Leviticus 13 and 14, all those laws on leprosy and how to cleanse a leprous person and you should wash and so on. That's just, again, common sense God gives us and wisdom God gives us to wash and not spread the disease. If you don't care about that and say, I don't care about that. Well, then you don't love your neighbors. You love yourself and you're putting yourself in danger and you're tempting God. It's like Satan saying to Jesus, jump off the temple. God will send the angels to protect you. So in that case, even if you read your Bible every day and you pray often and and you come to, to worship services every week, well, then you're not doing God's will. You are not doing God's will. You can say you're doing it, but you're disobedient in basic things. What should we do as a church if uh, one or more of our members contract the disease? What should you do if someone in your family gets it? Well, uh, Jesus said another way we show love is by visiting believers when they are sick. Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me. And they said, when? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brothers. And especially for elders and the shepherds of the church, the leaders, the pastors, we should not run away. The hireling flees, but the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He cares for them. Uh, and if Jesus laid down his life for us, 1 John 3:16, we should lay, lay down our lives for the brothers. Number four. How to pray for the coronavirus. Fourthly, rest in God's providence. Verse 11 Give us this day our daily bread. So, you saw some videos on Facebook and WhatsApp and YouTube and pictures, and some of you went to the shop and saw this with your own eyes. People emptying shops because they're nervous and they're panicking. And so they're buying everything in the shop. And even in one Australian shop, two women fighting over toilet paper. And you believe it. And Christians shouldn't be like that. Christians shouldn't act and respond in that way as if our Heavenly Father cannot be trusted. As if our Heavenly Father does not care for His children. Just read the end of Matthew 6. God cares for His children. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread even in famine God's people will have abundance Psalm 33:19 and 37:19 and Genesis 47 when there was a famine in Egypt the Israelites had abundance God provided for his children Now the normal way God provides for us is through work we should work but God also cares for us through Christians sharing with one another when they, where there's a need. Like in the book of Acts, they shared with one another. Like in Hebrews 13 verse 16, we should share with one another. Romans 12 verse 13, again, sharing with one another and so on. I got a WhatsApp this week from one of our members and said, uh, I think it was on Tuesday. Hi, Ivor, just checking to see how you're doing I was thinking about you, you and your family on my mind. Are you okay with everyone panic buying? Are you okay? Do you have enough food? I bought extra rice from January. I've been buying extra rice each um, month and I have that. I can share that with you. And that was really kind and that was really biblical. Give us, not give me, give us this day our daily bread. We share with one another. Number five, how to pray for the coronavirus. Confess your sin. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, we all understand that suffering is not always because of sin. I mean, personal sin. Like in the book of Job, his friends say, Job, you're suffering because you've sinned. And it wasn't true. And yet, when we suffer, and when there's suffering on a a worldwide scale like this, I mean, we have to ask ourselves, what is wrong? Why did God bring this on mankind? This is a time to search your own heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David prayed. So confess your sin and repent of your sin if you see sin in your heart. As verse 12 says, forgive us our debts. And make things right with the Lord. Come to the Lord and ask Him to help you and to forgive you. And then also with other people. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And do it before you die. And do it before they die. Because perhaps you or the other person will die and you have not sorted out things with them. Or with the Lord. You have not repented of your sin. Do it before you die. Otherwise, verse 15, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If the coronavirus doesn't soften your heart, then you're a fool. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle and even then his folly will not depart from him, says Proverbs 27 verse 22. Meaning you can go through the severest of circumstances. If you're a fool, not even that will change you. You need to ask for God's grace. Otherwise you have no hope. Number six, be watchful. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, I remember when I bought a new vehicle in 2012, I bought a car and it was really a stressful time, going to the bank, going to the car dealer, phoning the the owner of the car, it was a private deal, but you have to go through a car dealer. I didn't know that because they do the paperwork for the bank. And eventually I got fed up with a car dealer They're taking too long. And I went to another dealer and canceled the first dealer. And then the first dealer phoned me a couple of days later. And I had to phone them back really and say, I'm sorry, please will you help me? Uh, I, I, I responded too quickly by withdrawing your business from you and taking it to another dealer. Uh, you know, that's exactly how we should be with the coronavirus. Don't respond in anxiety as I did. Be watchful in this time. Pray for the protection of God against the evil one. Deliver us from evil. The flesh, meaning the old sinful nature, the devil, demons, the world, will tempt you to not pray over this matter. You'll just ignore it and not pray at all about this issue. Or you'll become, you'll be tempted to be paranoid. And so you start avoiding other believers. Ah. and you'll be tempted to not focus on Jesus, to forget what the Apostle Paul tells you, to think on the things above, to set your mind on things above. And, and you're not thinking about heavenly things, and you're not focusing on Jesus Christ, but, but now you're spending and wasting time, wasting hours on the Internet and following BBC News, Sky News, and, and spending time in front of television and on the Internet just to always be up to date with the latest news on the virus. And you're focusing on the virus and not on Jesus. Or you'll be tempted to, to disobey Romans 13, verse 1 to 7, where the Bible tells you to obey the governing authorities. And now you are tempted to disobey the president of the country, where he said, no groups of more than 100 people at a time. Or you're tempted to be afraid, you're tempted to fear, you're tempted to rush, rush to the shops. Like unbelievers who do not know God, rush to the shops to stock up because you don't trust your father. Or you're tempted to think the virus is not serious. This is not serious. I don't need to search my own heart. I don't need to test myself. I don't need to repent of my sin. 2 Corinthians thirteen five. test yourself to see if you are in the faith. But you're tempted to disobey them, Or you, you are tempted to To be so afraid of the virus, as if the virus is sovereign. As if the virus can come when it pleases, where it pleases. It has a will of its own and it's not under the control of God. That's a temptation. Or you're tempted to start making making predictions on the second coming. And saying this date and this time. Or you're tempted to think, well Jesus won't come now. Or you're tempted to think, about this virus all the time, instead of thinking about the kingdom of God. Or you're tempted to be ashamed of the Lord, ashamed of saying you're a Christian, ashamed of talking to people about the Lord and sharing the gospel in this time. Or you're tempted to think, the people who get this disease, they are worse sinners than those who don't get it. It Sounds like Job. Job's friends at least. Job was an upright man. Job was a man who feared God and turned away from evil. And yet, Job got boils. He got disease, sickness. What Jesus said in Luke 13. So those people killed by Pontius Pilate, their blood was mixed with the sacrifices. Or those people, 18 people killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Jesus says, you think they were sinners than you are? No, they're not, Jesus says. And if you don't repent, you will all likewise Die, perish. So be watchful, but do not be afraid like the world. Why not rather trust and believe God is in control? He's your father. Be, be like a child who's not afraid of the bullies. He's not afraid of the bullies when his daddy's with him. And this is how we should pray in faith in faith to the Lord. And let your heart be at peace with the truth of the Lord's Prayer. And then confess with all your heart, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.